Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description. Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1947 film, Fun and Fancy Free. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film or giving a bunch of behind the scenes facts, but rather giving our impression of the overall film and the songs from the film. We will also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back and enjoy this episode. I also just want to mention, I believe this is where Make Mine Music should have been, but it's not on Disney Plus. So Yeah, that was the next movie. And we found that Make Mine Music was not available yeah. on Disney Plus. So we're skipping that. Yep. We're just for now. Tra- Maybe at some point we'll be able to watch it. But yeah. for now. And it's if skipped. if you and the audience have seen it on some other streaming platform, let us know. So getting into it, Fun and Fancy Free is a 1947 American animated musical fantasy package film produced by Walt Disney and released on September 27, 1947 by RKO Radio Pictures. It is the ninth Disney animated feature film and the fourth of the package films the studios produced in the 1940s in order to save money during World War II. The Disney package film of the late 1940s helped finance Cinderella in 1950 and subsequent others such as Alice in Wonderland 1951 and Peter Pan in 1953. The film is a compilation of two stories, the first of which, Bongo, is hosted by Jiminy Cricket and narrated by Diana Shore. Based On the tale, Little Bear Bongo by Sinclair Lewis, Bongo tells the story of a circus bear cub named Bongo who longs for freedom from captivity. Bongo escapes the circus and eventually forms a romantic relationship with a female bear cub named Lulu Bell in the wild, realizing that he must prove himself in order to earn Lulu Bell as his mate. The second story, Mickey and the Beanstalk, is narrated by Edgar Bergen and is a retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk featuring Mickey, Donald, and Goofy as three peasants who discover the temperamental Willie the Giant's castle in the sky through the use of some magic beans. They must battle the greedy but lovable giant in order to restore peace to their valley. Though the film is primarily animated, It also uses live action segments to join the two stories together. Mickey and the Beanstalk was the last time Walt Disney voiced Mickey Mouse because he was too busy on other projects to continue voicing the character. Disney replaced himself with sound effects artist Jimmy McDonald. That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it is is kind of a nice send off to him as uh, as Mickey Mouse. I often forget that Disney was the original voice of Mickey Mouse. Uh, Yeah, I forgot that too until 
this moment while we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Fun and Fancy Free was first released on VHS in 1982. It was re-released on VHS and Laserdisc in 1997 as part of, <laughs> I thought you would enjoy that, as part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection. The film was re-released on VHS and made its DVD debut on June 20th, 2000 as part of the Walt Disney Gold Classic Collection. The film was released in a two-movie collection Blu-ray with the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad on August 12th, 2014. There are four directors for the film, Jack Keeney, Bill Roberts, and Hamilton Lusk handled the animation segments, while William Morgan handled the live action segments. The story is by Homer Brightman, Eldon Dadini, Lance Nolal, Tom Erberg, Harry Reeves, and Ted Sears. The film is, of course, produced by Walt Disney and stars Edgar Bergen as himself, Charlie McCarthy, and Mortimer Snurd, which did you know who Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd were? Like no. they were, all right, they were famous puppets, and Edgar Bergen was their uh, ventriloquist. He was okay. kind of he was kind of a celebrity at the time, and Charlie McCarthy is probably the most famous puppet. I recognize the puppet. But... Yeah, like the the classic wooden you know hand controlled. Yeah, puppet. I, I recognize both puppets as being mm. like the classic puppet. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with them because my mother's grandparents had a lot of Charlie McCarthy paraphernalia. I guess they were fans back in the day. I don't know. But uh, so I saw it a lot when I was a little kid. Luna Patton as herself, Diana Shore as a singer and the narrator of Bongo, Cliff Edwards as Jiminy Cricket, Walt Disney as Mickey Mouse, Clarence Nash as Donald Duck, Pinto Kolvig as Goofy, Billy Gilbert as Willie the Giant, Anita Gordon as the Singing Harp, and the Kingsmen provide the voices of the Happy Valley Crows. It is narrated by two people, Diana Shore for Bongo and Edgar Bergen for Mickey and the Beanstalk. It was edited by Jack Backham. The Music was by Oliver Wallace, Paul Smith, Elliot Daniel, and Charles Walcott. And it has a running time of 73 minutes. As far as its box office earnings concern, by the end of its theatrical run, the film had grossed $3.165 million in worldwide rentals with, two, with just over $2 million being generated in the United States and Canada. So let's dive into the plot. First thing I noticed was during the opening credits, they actually give credits to the voice actors, probably for the first time in a Disney film. I think so, because as I've mentioned to a lot of our other film, this whatever we're doing with the animated movies, yeah. I knew it, that a lot of the early animated films don't mention the voice actors yeah. at all. It's rare that we see who the voice actors are. And maybe it's because Walt Disney is in this. Yeah. Because Mickey's, I mean, Mickey's in Fantasia, but Mickey only talks a little bit in Fantasia. Uh, Mickey yeah. doesn't really do a lot of talking there. So this is also the first time that Walt himself is really a present voice actor. 
Yeah, poss- quite possibly you're right. And since especially it was his last time doing it, maybe he was like, hey, you know. I, I wanna- need the credit, guys. Yeah, yeah. But the song that plays is fun and fancy free. I wrote it's fine, nothing great, but not bad. Uh, I actually think it would be better as a uh, having a single singer sing it rather than a chorus of singers. And I gave it a four out of 10. I can see what you're saying. And I, I can agree with that. I think that it would sound better if it was just a single singer. Yeah. And I gave it a five out of 10. I think it's a nice intro song. Mm. We see Jiminy Cricket and it's nice to see him again. And he appears inside a large plant in a large house, ex- uh, exploring and singing, I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow, until he happens to stumble upon a doll, a teddy bear, and a record player with some records, one of which is Bongo, a musical romance story narrated by actress Diana Shore. Jiminy decides to set up the record player and play the story of Bongo. So I wrote down the song i'm a happy-go-lucky fellow and i gave it a five out of ten my notes are all out of order here but i also wrote that it's great to see jiminy and cleo too i don't know the fish that he was talking to for yeah a moment. cleo was there i yeah. was i do have that note. what bothers me is there's also a cat in the scene but that cat is clearly not figaro yeah so yeah not why not... do we have jiminy and cleo but not figaro yeah, not only is this cat mean, whereas Figaro is adorable, but they have different coloring as well. Yeah, the cat is much more black compared to Figaro. Like, it looks more like Lucifer from Cinderella. Right. If I had to, like, pick a Disney cat, it's yeah. much more Lucifer looking than it is Figaro looking. Agreed. So we dive into the story of Bongo, and it follows the adventures of a circus bear named Bongo, who longs for freedom in the wild. Bongo is raised in captivity and is praised for his performances, but is poorly treated once he is off stage. And at this point, I wrote down a note saying, it's interesting how both this and Dumbo show animal abuse in the circus. And I wondered if they were trying to somewhat criticize the circus. Maybe they were. I mean, it's also, that was very common for circuses. I mean, today, this is why we don't even have animals in circuses anymore is because of all this because it's basically impossible to run a circus without abusing animals well also movies think about it movies at this time the 1940s are still a relatively new technology so like you might want to send a little chop at something like the circus that's an established you know form of entertainment that's been around for at least a couple hundred years at this point so you know saying hey don't go to the circus they meet uh they mistreat animals come see these cute animals that we animate in movies yeah Mm -hmm. while traveling on a circus train bongo's natural instincts aka the call of the wild urge him to break free as soon as he escapes he enters a forest a day passes before his idealistic assessment of his new living situation has been emotionally shattered and he experiences some hard conditions i have a little bit of background information here the chipmunks who laugh at Bongo while he attempts to climb a tree are the inspiration for Chip and Dale. What's interesting is I didn't know that, but I did write down that they look very much like Chip and Dale, except mm-hmm. it's missing Dale's red nose, basically. But also, it's not something we bring up ever, but almost every chipmunk in any movie we watch has very Chipper Dale vibes, like all yeah. of them. Yeah. 
I guess it's hard to make chipmunks look different, to be honest, but they all look like Chip and Dale. They could change the head size and the body size. Yeah, like I think in Bambi, they're much more like chipmunk anatomical looking, mm-hmm. but they do look very Chip and Daley, generally speaking. I also have here the song Lazy Countryside. Uh, pretty good song. It has the 1940s type of song that I enjoy vibes. And plus Diana Shore sings it. It makes my playlist 7 out of 10. I have a four out of ten. I didn't really, it didn't really pique my interest too much. And how dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Typical Disney song. How could you? I'm sorry. Uh, This has nothing to do with how I was ridiculed for the three Cabaneros, but um, no, it's fine. Let's move on. (laughs) The next morning, however, Bongo meets a female bear named Lulu Bell. The two bears immediately fall in love until Bongo soon faces a romantic rival in the brutish, enormously shaped bear named Lumpjaw. And my notes here are Bongo and Lulu Bell are too cute. Like they're just adorable together. They are adorable. And the song Too Good to Be True, another song that could be on the radio from the time period. I enjoyed it and it makes my playlist eight out of 10. Uh, again, it's just like a fall. <laughs> four out of ten. None of the songs in this segment really do anything for me. I, I think I just don't like the segment is probably part of the issue. Okay. And the bears, the bears all give me like very Yogi Bear vibes. Bongo does anyway. Oh, definitely. Yeah, most certainly. Yogi Boo Boo vibes, you know. So the next part here, Bongo fails to interpret Lulu Bell slapping him as a sign of affection. And when she accidentally uh, slaps Lumpjaw, he claims her for himself, forcing all other bears into a celebration for the new happy couple. Bongo comes to understand the meaning of slapping one another amongst the wild bears and returns to challenge Lumpjaw. I wrote here that Lumpjaw reminds me of Pete from like goofy stuff. And I always thought that Pete was supposed to be a bear, not a cat. But yeah, Pete's supposed to be a cat. I never got that. I always thought he was a bear. And Lumpjaw looks exactly like him. So I'm saying Pete's a bear. I mean, you're right. For the song, it's called Say It With A Slap. It's fine, but I don't like the idea the song puts out there. So I gave it a three out of 10. Yeah, that was pretty much my thing was I don't like what this song stands for at all. I don't like, I don't like anything about the slapping segment. I'm like, I am uncomfortable watching. If this was supposed to be for kids. Especially that. And also like, I understand like, maybe that's just what bears do. What do I know? Do bears actually do that? If they actually do that, like, sure. But I don't think bears do that. No. I can't imagine them actually doing it. Maybe like, we're wrong. I but. don't like it. Like, mm-hmm. if it's based off of something bears actually do, fine. I still don't like it. But if it's just something they threw in there, I, I don't know why. It's awkward. Two out of ten. Yeah, fair enough. So Bongo manages to outwit Lumpjaw for much of their fight until the two fall into a river and go over a waterfall. Lumpjaw is presumably swept away by the river and never seen again. Bongo's hat saves him from falling down, 
and he finally claims Lulu Bell as his mate. And I wrote down here that I laughed at the bit where Lumpjaw crashed into a tree during their fight and it fell on top of him. And then all the bears that were in the tree fell on top of him. Like I actually laughed at it. I was, I, I was like, oh, that's funny. It is uh, funny. And then the song is to uh, reprisal of too good to be true. And I put it's fine, but short five out of 10. I didn't mark down the reprisal. I usually don't. Okay. Because a lot of the reprisals in these early films are literally just reprisals. There's nothing new about them the way that that changes a little bit later in the more formidable Disney movies. But Right. For the segment score, I gave it a five out of 10. I put that Bongo and Lulu Bell are very cute, but nothing too special about it, in my opinion. Yeah, I would go with like a four out of 10. They're cute. They give me yogi and cindy bear vibes if like if they were kid bears basically Mm -hmm. adorable like it but the segment overall makes me uncomfortable at the same time so so the next part is about mickey and the beanstalk and this segment is narrated by edgar burgeon hold on are we gonna are we gonna discuss oh we're gonna get to it oh no we're getting to it yeah okay okay. Uh, because i want to address it exactly the segment is narrated by Edgar Bergen in live action sequences, who, with the help of his ventriloquist dummies, Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Sneard, tells the tale to a child actress, Lana Patton, at her birthday party, with Jiminy listening in after having read an invitation shortly after the previous story ended. Now, I wrote down, this opening segment has the stars of yesterday, but I think it comes across as extremely creepy today. This 40-something-year-old man is entertaining a child at his home all alone. Yeah, my desire to skip this was so high. I was like, I don't I don't like this. I don't want to watch it. Especially when Jiminy, he talked about the fact that Jiminy's supposed to be a good conscience in reading other people's mail, by the way. But uh, he, go, he, you know, he goes to this party. Like, it's not a party. It's two puppets a man and a child mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a party no that's and it, it's awkward. not like it's not like he's her father or anything like they're supposed to be themselves like yeah and like he's just this much older man that has this child i'm pretty his... sure she's even like mr bergen's here like yeah yeah i i don't understand it, it. yeah i don't i it's don't like creepy. it i i don't know also, I don't know why we needed the weird birthday party to be the midground. Like, couldn't we just have Jiminy Cricket walking around where he's at and be like, oh, yeah, I remember story. Like, yeah, same way he did with Bongo. Like, why wasn't Jiminy just the narrator through? Like, why did we need humans? Like, why did we need this? I, I don't know. But let's let's get into Mickey and the Beanstalk proper. Uh, it, it's much better than than this weird segue that we have. <laughs> A jovial countryside land called Happy Valley, kept alive at all times by a singing harp, is suddenly plagued by a severe drought and falls into turmoil and depression after the harp is stolen from the castle by a mysterious assailant. The opening song is called My What a Happy Day, and I wrote that it's fine, but nothing special, four out of ten. Uh, I gave it a five out of ten. I like the little magic singing harp. And okay. I liked how happy it was. Yeah. And the bull singing was funny to me. I liked it. You're right. 
the residents of Happy Valley are driven into poverty and have no choice but to leave in order to avoid death by starvation. Eventually, only three residents are left, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. The trio have but just one loaf of bread and a single solitary bean to eat, which <laughs> I love. We're going to get to it in a moment. Well, I'll just read it. During this time, Mickey has no choice but to cut the bread into paper-thin slices for the three friends to eat. Driven insane by hunger, Donald goes into a rage, complaining that he cannot stand it anymore. He then makes a sandwich out of plates and silverware, but Mickey and Goofy stop him and manage to calm him down. I love the animation here. Like, oh my it, god, it's so good. The trans the bread and the beans, and it's just translucent. Like the bread is so oh, thin. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, like that. That's one of those like, iconic scenes to mm. me. Like, I know the scene when I see it. Like, ah, the cutting of the bread. Mm. And this is this is a proper use of Donald's character. We yes, talk, we talked about angry in, Donald. Yeah, we talked about in Saludos Amigos how he, like him and Goofy, they should have been switched for their segments. But here he's used properly. So then Donald sees an axe and attempts to kill their pet cow for beef with said axe. But Mickey and Goofy manage to stop him again. Mickey then decides to sell the cow for money to buy food. Goofy and Donald are excited about eating again and begin to sing about delicious dishes until Mickey comes back and reveals that he sold the cow in exchange for a container of beans that are said to be magical. I did do a little bit of information about this and originally Gideon and Jay Worthington Fowlfellow or Honest John as we know him from Pinocchio were set to make an appearance in the film segment or in this segment of the film as con artists who sell Mickey the magic beans. However, since Walt Disney felt the scene was irrelevant, the scene was dropped. And there's also a deleted scene that shows Minnie as a queen giving Mickey the magic beans. Okay, so I have two thoughts here. Mm -hmm. So A, Pinocchio and Mickey and Donald's and Goofy are officially in the same universe because Jiminy knows about all this stuff too, apparently. So same universe. Okay. Right. All right. One, two, Queen Minnie. So uh, we got some Kingdom Hearts crossover action going on. Oh, listen. <laughs> The Kingdom Hearts callouts are going to show up much, a little bit later, in the, but as soon as I freaked out at a certain point, but yeah, Queen, Queen Minnie, yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. However, let's dive back into this. The, the song is Eat Until I Die. I wrote that it's all right, but nothing special. Four out of 10. Six out of 10. I laughed a lot during that entire song. I don't know why, so it gets six out of 10 because normally I don't laugh like that. That's fine. <laughs> So thinking that Mickey has been tricked and enraged, Donald throws the beans down on the floor and they fall through a hole. However, it turns out the beans are truly magical after all, as later that night, the light of a full moon causes the beanstalk to sprout from under the house and lift it far up into the sky. The next morning, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy find themselves at the top of a gigantic beanstalk in a magical kingdom of enormous scope, where they appear to be tiny creatures compared to their surroundings. They eventually make their way to the huge castle where they help themselves to a scrumptious meal. There, they stumble across the harp, locked inside a small box, and she explains that she was kidnapped by a wicked giant. Immediately after, a giant named Willie emerges from the shadows, 
grunting angrily while simultaneously breaking into a happy song, fee-fi-fo-fum, and bouncing a ball about while demonstrating his powers of flight, invisibility, and shape-shifting. So the song fee-fi-fo-fum, short and forgettable, three out of 10. Yeah, I would agree. Three out of 10. It's, it's there. As Willie prepares to eat lunch, he catches Mickey hiding in his sandwich after Mickey sneezes when Willie pours pepper onto the sandwich. Mickey tries to run away, but Willie catches him. Mickey then plays palm breeder and gains the childish giant's trust. Willie offers to show off his powers, and Mickey, spotting a nearby fly swatter, requests that he change himself into a fly. However, Willie suggests turning into a pink bunny instead. And as he does, he sees Mickey, Donald, and Goofy with the fly swatter. Angry, Willie captures Mickey, Donald, and Goofy and locks them up in the harp's chest so he can keep them from pulling any more tricks. In order to escape, Mickey manages to get out before he locks them in the, in the chest, though. In order to escape, Mickey must find a key and rescue his friends. He does so with the help of the singing golden harp, who begins singing Willie to sleep. Mickey almost alerts Willie to his presence by sneezing after falling into a box of snuff powder in Willie's pocket, but the same power makes Willie sneeze and he loses sight of Mickey. So the song here is My Favorite Dream, and I wrote down that it could be a song on the radio, and it might make it on a 1940s playlist for me, but not on my Disney playlist. Five out of ten. I would agree. It's it's a pretty good song. Like you said, not making my Disney playlist, but hmm. one of the better songs we've hmm. talked about today, so five out of ten. And then here I have my note saying, seeing Mickey holding a giant key made me think of Kingdom Hearts, where Mickey is one of the Keyblade wielders. So yeah. Well, she's a Keyblade wielder, Minnie's queen, you know. Kingdom Hearts vibes. Kingdom Hearts is uh, canon in this movie. Oh, 100%. Agreed. After, after they get out of here and return the harp, Mickey becomes prince of the land since everyone else let, uh, fled. And then him and Mickey get, or him and Minnie get married. And boom, we go into Kingdom Hearts world. <laughs> so Mickey frees his friends and they make a break for it with the harp. However, Willie wakes up from his sleep and spots them, giving chase all the way to the beanstalk. Mickey stalls him long enough for Goofy and Donald to reach the bottom as they begin to saw down the beanstalk. Mickey arrives just in time to finish the job of sawing down the beanstalk, and Willie, who was climbing down, falls to his apparent death. And I actually I wrote down that I actually laughed at Donald being pulled through the beanstalk by Mickey and Goofy. Like it it, it just made me laugh because Mickey jumps on the same side of the saw as Goofy. And I was like, well, Goofy's the biggest one out of all of them. He should have jumped on the side with Donald. But then Donald yeah. gets pulled through and he's like flattened out. It, it, it was just funny. It made me laugh. Back at Edgar Bergen's home, he finishes the story saying that with the return of the harp, Happy Valley returned to prosperity. As we already know, Mickey becomes a prince and marries Queen Minnie and then Kingdom Hearts starts. He then cheers up Mortimer Sneard, who was crying about Willie's death saying that Willie was a nice giant who did not deserve to die. Just as Edgar says that Willie is a fictional character and not, and not real, Willie himself appears, alive and well, tearing the roof off his house. Willie inquires about Mickey's whereabouts, but Edgar faints in shock, while Mortimer tells Willie goodnight. 
The scene closes with Jiminy leaving the house into the night and Willie noticing the Brown Derby restaurant and putting it on like a hat before stomping off to find Mickey with the Hollywood lights blinking in the background. And the song here is a reprisal of Fun and Fancy Free. Fine and good song to end on. Four out of ten. I agree with that. I just thought the entire ending of this segment was weird. Like, why did Willie show up in real world? Like, yeah, why was he there? What is going on? I guess we've had Disney deaths already. I mean, the first... I feel like the thing with this is that they're just trying to find excuses to put real humans in at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. In these package films instead of just having full animation mm-hmm. yeah I, I suppose it's cheaper to do it that I, I i don't know the full story but it might be easier because you know we've talked about this traditional animation is lengthy and takes a while to do that mm. but then you'd have you still have to put the animation in with the real people so is that any easier i don't know i don't have the answers to these questions i'm sure you know, Walt Disney did whatever he thought was best at the time. But for the segment score, I wrote that it's fine, classic Disney stuff. I remember watching this segment a lot as a child at my grandparents' house on VHS. I don't remember the bongo part, so perhaps it was a VHS that they had recorded Mickey and the Beanstalk onto. So I gave it a four out of 10. I feel like a part of me almost remembers bongo, but like vaguely, but I definitely know the Beanstalk. But Mm. I also think the Beanstalk is one of like classic Mickey's like portrayals. So I'm not sure if that bongo is just overshadowed by that. I don't know. You could be right. Maybe, mm, I don't know. I think you're right though, that the Mickey and the Beanstalk is much more iconic than bongo. So I'm going to go into my overall song ranking. I, I did the songs from the two segments together, and then I just ranked them by the score yeah. that I had given them. So I have first place, Too Good to Be True. Second place, Lazy Countryside. Third, I have My Favorite Dream. Fourth, I'm a Happy-Go-Lucky Fellow. Fifth, I have Too Good to Be True, The Reprisal. Sixth and seventh, they're interchangeable, but it's fun and fancy free. Eighth, I have My What a Happy Day. Ninth, I have Eat Until I Die. Tenth, I have Fee Fi Fo Fum. And in last place, from Deservedly deservedly So, I have Say It With a Slap. I didn't really list them out that way, but to be honest, it's just going by how I rated them. It's pretty much Eat Until I Die, Fun and Fancy Free, everything else, and then Say It With a Slap at the end. Okay. I didn't like any of the music of this. I'm not going to lie. So to me, I would just toss out the whole soundtrack. Mm, Fine. Perfectly fine. So I'm going to go into my overall score there. I think these films are fine, but don't hold up to the rest of the Disney pantheon. They are obviously aimed at children, which is fine. But later Disney movies would come to understand that they also have to entertain the adults watching them as well. Overall, I give fun and fancy free a 4.5 out of 10. I really enjoy some of the songs, but found myself bored during most of it. Yeah, I don't really like these package films. I think none, neither one of us really like the package films. Right. They don't have story. They're just kind of there. A lot of the segments end up too long and some segments end up too short. Uh, you know, you haven't started melody, melody Time yet, but even that one, it's, again, some of them feel too long. But mm. 
I would say about a four out of ten. It's just it's not good. I mean, I love the classic Mickey Beanstalk stuff, but I don't think that makes up for the length of it and how slow it goes. Agreed. Uh, I'll be looking very much forward to when we get done with the. We only have that one more to go. Although who knows in the order these are releasing, but well, I guess I I guess we know, but um, not not at this current moment. But uh, we only have that one more to go. Um, melody time or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And then we can finally dive into more classic Disney stuff like Cinderella and everything. And I'll be looking forward to those. Uh, anything else you'd like to say or should I go into the outro? No, I think we're good to go. All right. This has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to either our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. And as always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, have a wonderful day, and remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you.